Have you ever wondered how much time someone actually takes to create some of the pop songs that you listen to on the radio? Can you actually be a successful musician if you follow your own path, or do you have to follow what other people want you to follow? So today we're talking to Ashley Zara, who is a songwriter, musician, many, many things, and she's going to tell us all about it. So let's go. If you've ever felt alone, misunderstood, or like your story didn't matter, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Pretty Sure, the podcast where we explore the fun in life's ups and downs. Join me, your host, in a mix of guests from friends to thought leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and experts for some raw, unfiltered, and frankly, hilarious conversations. We'll chat about our struggles as millennials, the joys and pains of being single or in a relationship, life and biz lessons, and some inspiring takeaways too, because remember, no topic is ever off the table for us. Hi, I'm Sabrina, your new best friend, and every week you can expect kindness, support, and some tough love, because you'll be damn sure I'm going to be calling you out on your shit when you need it most. Pretty sure we're in for a wild ride, so saddle up and let's go! Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Pretty Sure Podcast. I'm excited, and I know I usually say this, but it's my first musician on the show. I've had entrepreneurs, I've had bloggers, I've had video gamers, fashionistas, never ever have I had a musician. And it is, I don't want to say necessarily a profession, but it's a career that I've always found really interesting. You know, I'm no stranger to the voice. I'm obsessed with the voice, (laughs) Um, mostly because of Adam Levine, because hello, (laughs) he's really hot. (laughs) But for those of you that are men in the audience, well, I mean, I can, I'm sure you can relate to Christina Aguilera or whoever the new season's person is. But I've always wished that I could actually sing well. Uh, I can't, actually. Um, I only sing in the shower. So today is going to be really fun getting into the mind of a singer, Ashley Zara. So welcome to the show. And please start us off with a little bit about your story. Thanks, for sure. I kept trying to resist laughing because I was like, should I hide my voice until this point? Everything you said, I was like, yeah. Um, my story. So I am a first generation American. My whole family's Iranian. So that's going to be some juicy material for later. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, it's a background that like we, we love the arts, we love music, but we don't necessarily hail it as like the profession of choice, especially for young women. Uh, we're still very much a conservative culture who wants like, our successful concept of a woman is like a really great caretaker who knows how to have babies and and stuff, which is cool too, if you want to do that. But yeah, so I kind of like took the path untaken for people in my community and that caused a lot of, it was considered like deviancy. So it caused a lot of issues. Um, I moved across the country, which is also a thing like you don't leave family in our culture, especially as a woman. And I, I started studying at Berklee College of Music for four years got my degree, which is something I never thought I would do. It's just the school is like addicting. I couldn't leave. And then I came back home to LA. I'm from Los Angeles. And uh, I've just been running with it ever since. I've been writing since I was nine and singing since I could remember. So it's kind of something that like, even if I, I would pray, like if someone could give me another job to do, I would do it because this was just so difficult. It was tearing my relationships apart with my my loved ones. And so I was like, if I could do something else, praise the Lord, please tell me and I'll do it. But um, that didn't happen. And I'm really glad that it didn't because 
it just helped me like pursue me what I was supposed to do this is my purpose yeah (laughs) (laughs) I love that and it's so interesting because everything that you were saying I actually can relate to that you know in Mexico I'm half Mexican in Mexico I think they have a similar culture to Iran obviously not to that extreme not to that level but it's still very much like we're all Catholics like you should marry young you should have babies you should be happy with your husband you should not you know want to be an entrepreneur you should not want to be doing this and this and like you you know I was like the black sheep not of my parents but like of my extended family like grandma and everyone they're always like mm-hmm. when are you gonna come back home like why are you so far away like why <laughs> Why did you let her? You know, they asked my mom, like, why did you yeah. let her? And so when you were saying that, I'm like, I can totally relate to you. <laughs> so let's get started with how did you start your music journey? Like, did you just one day wake up and started singing or did you nurture that talent or like, how did you know singing was for you? I think it was like a really organic part of my spirit. I, ever since I was a kid, I was actually just talking to my friend about this the other night. Like I when everyone was doing other things, even if they were doing things together, I was sitting on the floor with headphones on, just like listening. I would pick random CDs or records out of my parents' cabinet, be like, who's Bobby Brown? What's this Elvis Presley guy all about? Or, you know, and then a bunch of Persian artists and stuff. And I sit there for hours silently, just like absorbing the whole time. And so I think it was just something that really spoke to me at a very young age. And I love singing with everything that I listen to, no matter the language. And music and dance and stuff is a big part of my culture, but also in my particular household. Like, we have videos of my mom not knowing what to do with two children. So she would just blast music and we would just be like singing out loud and dancing and stuff. So it was in the beginning something that I was like, this is effing awesome. I never want to let this go. And clearly I'm 26 and I haven't. So. Uh, so yeah, it was just kind of part of uh, my roots in a way, just like since I entered this world. So yeah. Oh my God, obsessed with that. Did you ever kind of like, were you ever torn between dance and song- songs or was it always you knew you were going to be a singer? Yeah, I didn't think I would ever be like a professional dancer. Like that would be the source of my career. It could be, I don't mind. Because it's really, I think, important when you're in the arts to be open-minded about projects. It takes you in directions that, like, you never would have imagined for yourself to go. Mm -hmm. Dance is something that, like, it gives me the purest joy. I mean, I think with singing, I... It's so important to me that I analyze it a lot, but dance, I feel so, like, free and out of body that I just don't even... I don't know. It's, like, the purest form of enlightenment for me. I love it so much. But I also haven't put it to a science. Like I've studied a lot of dance. I've worked with a lot of people in that realm, but it just felt like that was what I do for like the utmost fun. And if I add it to my professional capacity, then awesome. Cause I love it. But it was always music. It was always like songwriting, singing. Yeah. Were your parents shocked when you told them like, I'm going to be a professional singer? Like I'm going to be a musician artist? Oh God. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, when I was younger, it was very much like, I feel like I keep saying that very much. Like, like oh, she's cute. Like, yeah, oh, her exactly. They kind of, they really took pride when people in my community took so much pride in their kids if they were artists. It's like, oh my God, they play the piano. Oh yes, she sings. You should hear her voice. Stuff like that. 
But then as you got older, kind of around like 12, 13, if it was something you were still considering that you kept pushing, they're like, well, you know that you can't like seriously do this, right? Like, what do you Mm. mean? First of all, everyone until this point has been telling me that I can and that I'm awesome at it. So all of a sudden you're telling me, no, this makes no sense. It was something that like I started to keep to myself because I saw that everyone was really resistant to the idea of me doing this. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to be quiet about it and see where the future takes me. And actually when I applied to Berkeley, I was 20, I was 19 or 20 and nobody knew that I was applying to music schools. So when I got accepted, everyone was just like, what? When did you do that? I don't know. Like, yeah, sorry. I just knew you guys would all say no. So like, I just did it anyway. <laughs> so, oh my God, that's so bold. It, yeah. I love I that. Like, right my the heart. spirit throughout my life has truly known what I should be doing. And my mind was always scared. So it was just kind of like turning that part off and being like, just follow your heart, which just sounds very cheesy, but it was really true. Like that's what I had to do to really like discover who Ashley is and what she's supposed to do, how she's supposed to live life and the impact she's supposed to make, not what other people think she should. That's crazy. I mean, you're one of the lucky ones, right? You're one of the lucky ones that knew since they were kids, kind of like what they wanted to do, because I feel like the commonality nowadays is you kind of just like go fumbling through life until you eventually stumble upon something and you're like, oh, I love this. This is my new purpose. But you know, people that know since they're kids, it's kind of like, incredible to see that they're still doing it right because you could have just one day woken up and said screw that I want to do something else like I want to be a doctor now yeah but to continue doing it that's still really cool so tell us a little bit about your background growing up Iranian because actually one of my friends one of my former friends we stopped being friends for a while she was also Iranian so she was Iranian Venezuelan and I found the culture fascinating yeah so tell me about your experience oh my god It's like all I know. So it's kind of weird to um, my experiences in Iranian. I mean, well, especially because you're Iranian American, right? Like you grew up up in the States, but in an Iranian household. So that's kind of like a shock in itself. It is something I used to try to explain to people is like, when I step outside of my front door, I'm in Los Angeles, I'm in some form of America. And then I do my thing, I live my day. And then when I come back, through that door to enter the home. I'm in like a small village in Nahavand, Iran. Like that's what it's like. So I would come in. Of course, we're all speaking a different language. The food is our food. It smells amazing. <laughs> Everything is like, smells like herbs or saffron or rose water. You usually have random family or friends that just like are there, which is fine. You're like, oh, hello, random uncle. Nice to see you. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, and like if if you look at the dynamic, the family dynamic, it's oftentimes women in the kitchen, women um, serving people. We're a huge hosting culture. So if you have a guest, even if you've never met them before in your life, like within seconds, they have tea, they have sweets, they have any type of food that they want, even if they didn't want it in the first place. We're actually very well known for being a very hospitable, warm loving, welcoming culture, which aside from what the the news says about us. Um, And also I'm an Iranian Jew, so, which there are plenty of us. A lot of people don't know how many Jewish Iranians there are out there. But uh, with that comes 
like Jewish tradition and our version of Jewish traditions, because different Jews from different places uh, practice differently. And we are quite conservative when it comes to the religious aspect, being that we were persecuted a bit kind of there. So (laughs) you kind of cling to things stronger when people are trying to take it away from you, you know? And um, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a little glimpse of it. A lot of music, a lot of dancing. People love to drink and smoke in my culture. So if you think that that's a thing we don't like to do, you are wrong. (laughs) I think people see Iran as like a culture, a country of abstinence in a lot of ways. And and it can be. But I think also the fact that we're Jewish changes that like our our rules are a little different than people who are Muslim or Zoroastrian or Baha'i or something. So Mm -hmm. that is a glimpse of the crazy, loud (laughs) food-filled community yep oh my god I actually got to try Persian food in Paris and I was obsessed my favorite part is Tadig right that's how you say it like the burn part of the oh my god I'm obsessed with that I keep trying to find uh, a Persian restaurant here and they're non-existent so I'm like I want to go back to Paris now I want to go eat Persian food please that's amazing I yeah there are a lot of Persians in Paris (laughs) Persians in Paris and so Tadi, I had a feeling you were going to say that because that's kind of like the staple food that most people are like, I love Tadi. Yeah, it's like the crispy, we crisp the rice around the rice dish while we're cooking it in the pot. And so once you flip the rice, then it has this like golden casing. It's so beautiful. And people get really creative with it too. It's like there should be like a Tadi presentation competition because people will put like onions in the Tadi or they'll put chopped potatoes some people go really crazy with like lettuce and like, I don't know, beets and stuff. It gets colorful. It's crazy. It's really fun. So, oh my God. Yeah. It's funny. I actually didn't remember the name of Tadig, but I was watching a show yesterday on Netflix and one of the guys, it was like a cooking show. And one of the guys had actually just said, like, oh, I'm going to turn this food into a Tadig. And so they explained it. And I was like, yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. I miss Persian food. So, random little fact for you. Um, <laughs> So how about you with the culture? So like, did you always agree with it? Are you also conservative? Or did you kind of have like headbutting with your parents as well? Because you saw your American friends doing things differently? Like, how was that for you? So I think it's important to note that where I live, Los Angeles is actually the largest Iranian community outside of Iran. So growing up here, when we went to like the bookstore, we went to the supermarket or just to get ice cream or something. Everyone spoke Farsi. Everything was written in Farsi. So all the people, like, if you wanted to go see a doctor, it's like you needed to go see a Persian doctor. And that was easy because there are so many of us. So I had a lot of American friends, but I also was surrounded by other Iranians. And it really was difficult for me because, like, the Persian community kind of turned into something that I wasn't especially for the kids my age, like the first generation Americans, they kind of have like a general direction and attitude and vibe that they went into. And I Mm -hmm. and my brother were not really a part of that. And so you get kind of ostracized from your own people. And I think they kind of listened to convention a lot more, whereas both of us, but I can only speak for myself, really resisted convention and really wanted to pursue like what we liked, whether it was Persian or American, just like did us just did be myself. And uh, so yeah, it was actually really hard. 
Because even people your own age are kind of like repeating the things that the older people are telling them. Like, well, what if you want to get married when you're like 15 years old? You're talking about marriage and kids or you're talking about people would straight up my cousins who were my age or even younger would come up to me at parties and be like, you know, you're not going to make it as a musician, right? I'm like, you guys are like five years old. Why are you bothering me about this? Like, go away. What? So it's just kind of, oh my God. when you're kids, you're a little bit, maybe you haven't found yourself yet, your identity. So you just kind of are like a parrot to what you hear. And uh, yeah, and I also was really open to other cultures. This is Los Angeles. It's an extremely diverse community. So I had friends who were Filipino and Mexican and like, I don't know, anything that you could think of. I had a friend from that area and I liked being exposed to cultures and languages and all that kind of stuff. And my Persian friends and my Persian family saw it kind of as a threat to the Persian community because they're very purist and we also escaped the country. So it's like, you're trying to keep your community safe. So there was a lot of headbutting because they just wanted to make sure that like my identity was strong and that I knew who I was and I wasn't going to lose it. I wasn't going to let it go. But on the other hand too, I'm very Persian in a lot of ways and uh, it kind of threatens some other Iranian Americans. I think when you are a first generation, anything you do have some insecurity with your identity, with your community. It's like you want to be like enough of that, but no one ever sees you as enough. Like I wasn't Persian enough for the Iranians. I wasn't Jewish enough for like the American Jews. I wasn't American enough for the Americans. I was just like this weird (laughs) conglomeration of that. So sometimes I was like too Persian for the Persians and then they would make fun of you. So it's just kind of like coming to terms with who you are and finding comfort in who you are because then when you do anything with confidence like nobody questions you right so Mm -hmm. so yeah and then you're kind of you're not exposed when you're meeting people from any community because you know who you are and you're comfortable with that and you're not projecting it on anyone so it's my yeah 100 (laughs) percent i can totally relate you know like i mentioned mexican german i also relate to the fact of like you're not fully Mexican, you're not fully German, but then you speak English like an American. So like, what are you? So totally relate to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Do you think that difference of yours, you know, from both sides inspires your music in some way? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Actually, in 2019, I kind of call it like my first real release. I released a single, two track single called Awake. And it had two songs on it that were influenced by Persian music. And so what we were, I was using Iranian instruments, Iranian modes, um, Iranian rhythms, all that. And even the music videos, I incorporated a lot of Persian dance. And I always incorporate Persian dance in my videos kind of because it's kind of like the only dance that I really know how to do. So (laughs) it just naturally comes out. But yeah, and I also, I'm, I think my approach to songwriting has been affected by it too, because like our language is a language built on metaphor. And so we have a very figurative language. It can be literal in some aspects, but like I find that the way that I speak to people in English is really reflective of that too. Cause like when I try to explain things to them, I immediately go towards like analogies and metaphors and it explains it sometimes much better than like being literal and upfront. Mm -hmm. And it's the same way I think with my writing and yeah. So those are a, a bunch of ways. And actually the the music that's coming out 
with my partner, Gula, who is actually Venezuelan too. He's a, he's a little bit ah, badass. Cool. Yeah, he's awesome. Our project together is this electronic, desert-themed, Iranian-inspired EP. So, so there's a lot of that too, like singing like a Persian vocalist, using their melodies, but then using English lyrics so people can follow along and yeah, harking upon some cool. instruments that we use. Yeah, so I always meld it together and it's kind of by accident. It's never really intentional. It can be intentional, but it's just a reflection of me and I am that mix. So. <laughs> Ooh, I can't wait to hear that song. That sounds super interesting. Yeah. You know, I told you I stalked you and I really like your songs. <laughs> so <laughs> um, speaking of you being comfortable in your own skin, you know, I know you mentioned that even though with all these things happening at the same time, you kind of like figured out who you were. So how did you actually become co- comfortable in your own skin? And what are some tips you can give to people out there? Mm-hmm. I think me leaving my community was one of the best decisions I ever made in my life because I I love my community a lot, but we're very tight knit. Uh, Word travels fast. Everybody has an opinion. Judgment comes from every corner. I was supposed to be doing acting since I was a kid, but because everyone started convincing my parents that I would become a drug addict by the age of four, uh, that never happened. Yeah. Like, so people have a lot to say here and, and it penetrates and we have a big, we place a lot of weight on how we're presented to the community. So if like someone's child looks bad, it looks bad on them. So everybody is trying to control everything at all times. So I had to leave. (laughs) And by doing that, I was able to be welcomed into a really nourishing community where people wanted to see me thrive in music. Everything that I was surrounded by was in line with what I loved and my passions. And so kind of finding niche communities where you feel like most yourself, you feel really comfortable, helps bring it out of you and helps validate like it's okay to be those things. Because I think a lot of us are in spaces, in environments where the things we love or things we're passionate about, what we want to pursue is like hated on. And so we think that we're stupid or that we are worthless. Um, We don't deserve happiness like everybody else, but we do. So I think me finding friend groups, professional groups, the school I went to, it was all really validating to remind me like, Ashley, you're awesome. And everything you love is awesome. And we're here to just support whatever you want to do. I have this idea that like, if you're not hurting anybody, including yourself, then like, go ahead, man, do it. Do what you've always been thinking about doing. Like, yeah. And then um, with time, you get so used to that, that you really believe like, oh no, I am awesome. I was such a messed up, like my last release was called Better Mess. And I I was truly a mess. I was all over the place. I was depressed. I, I had a bunch of different issues with mental health. And it's because I had been suppressed my whole entire life. But finally, for like four years, I had people help me blossom and open me up and tell me that I'm great. And that I have things to offer. So that external validation helped me find it internally and and exude that all the time. So people think I'm like extremely confident and comfortable in my skin now, but it's a big journey, because a lot of people helped me get there. 
Oh, that sounds mm-hmm. amazing. And I think you're right. Community really does help you because if you don't have people behind you, then you start believing like whatever other people are telling you, right? But if you have a great support system that is always like, no, you're awesome. Keep doing this. Come on, you can do this. Then like you said, you start believing it and you're like, okay, I can actually do this. Why have I thought I couldn't before? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> before I ask you about creativity, have you ever visited um, Iran? No, unfortunately. Yeah, it's kind of my biggest dream to to go back there. But because of my religion and because of several family members of mine did escape, did leave on political asylum, it would be quite difficult to even be allowed in. And then once stepping in there, it, it's kind of nerve wracking, especially now with the political air. So, but we're all, we're hopeful, you know, one day I'm hoping for it. <laughs> yes, for yeah. sure. I mean, we're still young. We have like yeah. what, at least 70, 80 years left of life. Hopefully. Yeah. So <laughs> I'd like to think in seven years, the things will change. So. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay. So tell us what spikes your creativity. Like where do you find inspiration for music and your songs? It's kind of everywhere. I mean. I think artists tend to be very observant people and we're also paying a lot of attention to what we feel all the time. I am such a philosopher. Like uh, I could watch like a leaf falling from a tree. I'm like, Oh my God, that reminds me of something. And then I just get really deep and I start writing about something else. But yeah, finding, you can see symbolism in so many things around you and And then also literal straight up experiences in your relationships or just with yourself, things that you're observing. It's usually for me, the stuff that I write about, I can be creative about anything truly uh, if I wanted to. But what I end up writing about tends to be stuff that I'm stuck on. Like, I don't know why I'm stuck, Mm -hmm. but I'm trying to figure it out. And it tends to be in the songwriting process where I begin to unravel it somehow. And by the end of the song, I'm like, ah, I get it now. Okay. That's what's what I've been dealing with. So yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> yes. And I have a follow-up. So your process for actually creating, does mm-hmm. it start with you having an idea and then writing it? Or do you write it and then you have an idea for your song? What I mean by this is like, I don't know if you're going to release a CD or whatever it is. And you know that, well, I mean, I don't even think CDs exist anymore, but like whatever you call it yeah. nowadays. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I have, I have to write. I don't know the last time I've heard a CD. So that's why I'm like putting it out there. <laughs> so yes. Imagine like you have to write 10 songs. Or you have to write five songs or whatever it is. Do you kind of come up with a title and write it? Or do you just write the song and then come up with everything else? Like how does your process in creating the songs mm-hmm. actually It's oftentimes very different per song because each song is like, kind of think of them as as little people. They're like my children and they all ask for different things. They all grow in different ways. And so I can't treat one like I treat the other (laughs) or have expectations for one like from the other. So some of them I will have like all chords and melody, no lyrics, like you're mentioning kind of. And then something about how that harmony feels gives me an idea of like, what does that remind me of? Or sometimes I know there's a topic that has been on my mind. I'm like, maybe I can fuse these two things here. They're both empty. They both need each other. So maybe that'll click. Oftentimes I'm, I'm writing lyrics and melody at the same time. Uh, I am quite a, a big writer. I write a lot of fiction as well. So I think I tend to lean towards writing lyrics first 
and then shaping the music around that. But then also, yeah, like having an album or an EP come out, like the one that is coming out, I knew once I met this guy, Gula, I was like, I knew that I wanted to do this electronic desert themed EP with him. And because I had the theme in my mind, I was like, all right, so what kind of stories do we want to tell in the desert? Like what kind of vibe is that? And so that I I did take from like a general theme and then create. Titles tend to come afterwards. Sometimes I have some really badass titles that I wish I had songs that were called that, but then it just doesn't work out. Like the title will change as the song (laughs) gets finished. I'm like, dang it. It would have been so cool if that was the title. (laughs) But yeah, so it's... Save them for captions, man. Save them for uh, captions. Yeah, it's a good point, actually. Recycling. It's important. Start writing a list and be like, okay, these are the song titles. Don't like it? Okay, instead of scrapping it, here's my possible caption list. Exactly. (laughs) I love that. That's a good idea. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) How has the pandemic actually affected you? Because I know on a previous call when we were discussing like what we could talk, you told me that you were a performer and then now you've kind of had to find ways to do it online. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about what has changed from being a musician in the past, well, past it sounds like you're really old but like pre-pandemic and post-pandemic let's call it that that's a good way to call it yeah so we don't perform live anymore (laughs) which really sucks I did have a few live performances but I was like here and then the audience was just they were ants in the distance I'm like well this is weird (laughs) this is super strange I don't that's fine um so we're kind of trying to focus on I know a lot of people have been doing live stream content and um, and that's been fun too because you're literally entering people's homes and they're just like chatting with you while you sing I personally have taken this time to really incubate and uh, collaborate with people and write so I, I during quarantine I was in the middle of like post-production for my last EP LP people call it an EP or an LP but uh so I I was really busy with all that and still now I'm working on like the next project and so the cool thing about our profession is that like you actually don't have to be in the same room as anybody to create so we've just been like emailing texting calling you know video chatting and, and working with each other remotely like that and it's been really awesome the music video I did for fake in it we filmed during uh, the pandemic and and that was really cool too because it was three people in a gigantic studio doing a choreographed dance and I don't think I would have ever had that idea if I had the opportunity to have like 500 people in that studio you know and it was very intimate and beautiful so we were I was really focusing on visual aspects as well like how can I Usually people have that like visceral experience with your music when you perform live. So I was like, how can I translate translate that in a visual format where people get like the same experience and the same depth to the song, but in like mm-hmm. through their computer, essentially. So yeah, just being creative with what you have and, and recognizing like the situation you're in is not... A boundary that's being placed on you it's just a opportunity for you to be creative and work around it yeah definitely 
So speaking about team, I just thought of this because I think it's an interesting question to know. How did you kind of like build your team, find management, record label, or whatever it is? Like, did they find you? Did you find them? Like, how does that whole thing work for you? It's a little bit of both. Reaching out to people that inspire you is really a big part of that. So, I mean, it's networking. It's like last night I saw someone's work show up in my feed and I was like, this is awesome. I love this. This speaks to me. And so then I, I went aside, I researched the guy. I'm like, I want to work with this person. And so then I sent him a DM. I'm like, hey, dude, you're effing awesome. I love your work. And whether you want to work with me or not, like, that's cool. But like, no, you have a new fan. So me reaching out to people, and it's kind of the same thing. I imagine that that's what's happening to them when they see me. <laughs> They're like, wow, this girl, Ashley, I'm inspired to talk to her. I don't know. It's so weird to think people are doing that to me the way that I do it to others. Yeah, and then people reach out and they say that they're inspired by my work and they want to be a part of its success or they want to help expand its reach. And that's really important because a lot of people are just kind of like trying to jump on. What is that word when a uh, bandwagon? Like jump on all your success? Yeah. Like oh, a lot yes. of people just kind of want to bandwagon it and... Uh, hop on for the ride or hop on for the money. And it's really important to have people who just genuinely, it, it speaks to them, what you're doing speaks to them and, and they just want to be a part of that. So, so yeah, a little bit of both. All of us are just trying to find one another in the interweb. Trying to live. Yeah. <laughs> it blows my mind though. Like you saying that and me listening to me, like, you know, me doing it as well. It just blows my mind to literally think, how society works nowadays like it's perfectly okay to just dm a random ass stranger and be mm. like hey <laughs> come on my show like i want to interview you because i love what you're yeah. doing <laughs> it's i just like i just like victory it happening in real life and it would seem something like this you know like you're following someone on the street <laughs> you're oh like looking at everything yeah. they're doing <laughs> and on their shoulder and you're like hey i've been following you for an hour I love the way you walk. Do you want to come and like teach a class on how you walk? Oh you know? my God. That is so scary. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The way we live now is truly very invasive. <laughs> it really is. But, like it's cool because we get to do yeah. things like this, but at the same time, I'm just like, how? Like when does this happen? I guess we have a little more control. It's like, I can accept the DM yeah, but in true. person, I could call the cops. That's kind of like the difference. <laughs> That's extreme, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not call the cops. Yeah. Run away. Just like run in Fun. the other direction. Yeah. Work on those legs. Mark. Okay. Tell me what your biggest music inspiration is and why. Oh, Coldplay. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Coldplay. I actually have a picture of them right there. Their heads are all cut off, but that's them. Yeah, I think... There are so many artists that come to mind because at different points in my life, they play different roles, but Coldplay mm -hmm. has been the most consistent. And I was also quite young when they started becoming successful, like in the States. And I will never forget the first time I heard the song Yellow, I was just like enamored. I was like, what is this? What is happening? Oh my God. And from then on, I just... They have taught me so much about life through their music, as well as songwriting. Like, I've learned so much about how they utilize harmony, how they use melody. They're so complex, but also so simple. They're not bound by any genre expectations. They are just them, and they do what they want to do. And 
they've always been very authentic and genuine in the process. They're some of the most, it's some of the most human music I've heard in my life. And so anytime I kind of need to like return to center, I listen to them. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so interesting. I love your point of view. <laughs> so now I want you to tell me what your favorite thing about being a musician is only because I think each person has their favorite things and it's not necessarily the same thing as another person. So if I were to ask another singer, they might say, you know, it's seeing a song come from nothing to everything. And then you might tell me something different. So I'd love to know like your perspective on what is it that you love about being a musician? Yeah, that's really hard because I love everything. My favorite thing about being a musician, probably it's when I get that message from somebody that just says, hey, like this song really helped me or just thank you for existing. Thank you for doing because that's what music did for me. Like I was this really depressed, sad kid since I was 11 years old. And and it was not the physical people around me that were helping me out of it. It, were, it was the invisible voices in my, my earbuds or my headphones that were talking me through it and reminding me that everything was going to be okay or that my emotions were valid and that I was being seen. So that forward, continuing that tradition in music, I think that's it's the most gratifying. And it reminds me that like no matter how hard it is and strenuous it can be, it's 100% worth it for that moment for somebody else. Oh, that's beautiful. I can't imagine what it must feel like. Tell me about your style. I know you have a very different music style and I know you coined it. So please tell us all about that because probably people that are listening to this do not know you. We already had a chance to talk. So you've given me kind of like the lowdown, but I'm going to come at it as I have no idea what your style is. So explain (laughs) it to me. Okay. So my style, my brand, I call it dark pop. And the whole idea of, well, I'll start saying this. The roots of dark pop was the fact that like I was raised loving pop music and loving Persian dance music and stuff, but I was also a huge fan of the emo wave in the early 2000s. Like that was the music that for the first time really like spoke to me aside from made me feel good. And uh, as I got older, I think we've all kind of noticed the pop industry deteriorating in terms of like human connection. (laughs) I think lyrically, it's a little bit superficial, I don't know, and kind of um, predictable. And so I was like, vehemently trying to not be a pop artist. I'm like, ew, no, I'm not pop, because pop is shallow. And uh, it was ruining my songwriting, because I was trying to force myself to be something I'm not. And then I decided, you know what? I can make pop music. That's going to be some dark shit that goes in that pop music because that's what my life has been like. I'm going to just put a mirror to my experiences. And so dark pop is essentially like, it's the dual existence of color and darkness, you know, and it's just recognizing that both things exist at the same time throughout life. Like, have positive and negative things happening concurrently all the time but sometimes we focus on one or the other so the concept of dark pop is like you have this pop soundscape but the content within that soundscape is a little grittier it's a little more realistic it's a little more honest so I'm trying to like make it easier for people to 
connect with whatever it is that's ailing them on the inside and just making it easier by making like catchy melodies when you want to talk about deep stuff like sexual assault or depression and anxiety. So I believe in speaking things into existence. And so if you make something catchy and people do keep singing these things over and over again, they begin to believe it or they begin to understand what's really going on within them. Mm -hmm. So I'm just making our trauma much easier to talk about. That's kind of it. (laughs) To put it in one sentence. Yeah. But that's actually, you know, that's what a lot of artists do, right? I think that's amazing that you're actually finding a way to do that. And obviously our generation will connect with that because hello, who didn't grow up singing? I'm sugar. I'll be going down swinging from follow boys. Like exactly. (laughs) And that was the thing. Like artists are doing that across the board. And I felt just like you don't get the same cathartic experience in pop music anymore that you do in rock or you do in pop rock and stuff. So I'm like, we need, there are a bunch of people out there that are listening to the genre, but are not getting like the, emotional payoff for it and the healing for it and that's the whole purpose of music is to like come together and heal and connect so i want to change bring that. britney spears og back with like her songs <laughs> that's yes. literally yes exactly. that's literally what we need in pop right now that kind of like you're talking about your experience and everything i love the pop, dark pop thing that mm. you're talking about I want to know now about your album because I, you know, stalked you on Instagram, saw all of your songs and saw that each of your songs kind of like was related to a specific experience. So tell me the inspiration behind it. And if people go and listen to it, like what is it that they can expect from it? Sure. Better Mess was, that was a really big project for me because it was cutting through all the bullshit and <laughs> not allowing myself to be in denial about really big things anymore. So every song on that album starts with some like real strict denial or lie and it ends with a reality and the truth of it at the end. I really wanted to help people kind of discover or to locate maybe like what are they lying to themselves about as they listen through all the tracks. And so, yeah, like it's really easy to use denial and um, to use denial as a self-defense mechanism to protect ourselves. But in reality, lying about what happened doesn't help you heal from it and move on from it. So I'm a big fan of like throwing myself on the fire for other people to get better. So I was just like, you know what I have? First of all, I have to get better. So I have to write about it and realize what I went through. So I did write songs about sexual assault. I did write songs about mental health and about family dynamics and self-worth, stuff like that. And I'm just like, these are really hard things to come to terms with. And so if it helped other people, if they were listening to it and they're like, oh God, yeah, that's what I've been avoiding too. But uh, they hear me talk about it, then hopefully it helps. Yeah. And also like there are some really fun songs on there too. We, We don't have to associate healing and trauma with like sad music all the time, you know? Like we can put it in a fun capacity where we're just like shouting it out like, yes, this is how I feel. This is what happened. And this is fun talking about it. And so I wanted to make sure and I want to continue making sure that I create that space for people to want to pursue those kinds of topics because it's fun to do it. You know, you can make it fun if you want to. 
Yeah, for sure. I love your passion behind it. Like it does really seem A, that that helped you, B, that you really do love it because I know sometimes people are just like, oh yeah, I love it. You know, like through gritted teeth, they're like, yeah, I love this process. <laughs> but no, like you actually, I can see that you love it. So. <laughs> Thank you. It was hard. I get it. People, they're like, eh, yeah, it's fine. Sometimes you're crushed at the end of a project and you're like, I don't even know what happened, but you just got to like stay focused. What's the purpose? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. For those of you listening, I will eventually release all of these video interviews. So you'll eventually get to see Ashley's face and you'll understand what I'm saying about you can feel the passion. But for now, just trust my word for it. (laughs) So before we go into the rapid fire questions and you tell us where people can listen to you, I want to ask you my favorite question of the entire show. So I'm pretty sure at one point or another, you had an experience where you felt like you were probably the only one to live it. It could have been, you know, a thought that you were having from a situation or a feeling. What was that? And what would you tell other people that might be in the same situation? Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> um, the only person to experience it. It doesn't have to be true. Like, you didn't have to be the only one. But, yeah. you know, we all have those moments where you're like... Right. God damn it. I'm the only one like this could yeah. never happen to anyone else. Why exactly. me? Well, I will say this. I mean, because I've always been told since I was a kid that I wasn't the only one. So it's kind of I will say the time that I felt the loneliest and I am oftentimes alone all the time and I love it. But being alone and being lonely are two different things. The time I was the very loneliest in my life was actually in 2019. So it was quite recent. And I was on the brink of uh, committing suicide because I felt so lonely. And I felt like maybe people could understand, but at the same time, they can't, they don't feel what I'm feeling. And I was in a really bad environment. I had everyone literally I would wake up in the morning and then people would be screaming at me until I went to sleep. And, uh, all the hard work and self-love that I had kind of curated for myself uh, just went straight down the toilet. And uh, I also was swimming in debt. I didn't have work anymore. So everything was just kind of falling apart. The love of my life was gone. It was literally like the highest point in my life. And I lost all those things at the same exact time. And I would just be in bed kind of like stifling my cries in my pillow or my blanket just with this mantra of nothing is permanent everything has to change because it's the law of nature everything is cyclical everything is constantly moving um, even when it feels like we're stuck in a space and so I I want to make known that because suicide prevention and suicide awareness is like the reason that I do this we lose a lot of wonderful, wonderful souls because of silence and because of fear of rejection. I I did open up about like being suicidal with someone and they kind of just told me to go do it. And it was really, really bad. So, (laughs) so we sometimes want to open up, but we don't feel like we're in a safe space to do so. Where if we do ask for help, like what is their response going to be? Luckily for me, that response actually woke me up and reminded me that I'm the only person that I have in this environment and I need to help myself. I can't rely on anybody else. But I just don't want people to stay silent. You can't ask for help. You can't ask for help anonymously as well. You don't ask, have to 
talk with people that you know. There are amazing hotlines that I have used personally that are wonderful out there. But you are not alone even when you feel at your loneliest. I think that's what I would want people to come out of that with, that story with. Because even me, like I felt so detached from myself, but I at least had myself. And there was a part of me that like, I didn't want to end my life. I just wanted the pain to end. And so the small part of me that was like still (laughs) holding on was just like, Ashley, the pain will end because nothing is permanent. So just keep doing wonderful things for yourself. Keep finding small stuff like a song or a book or exercising every day that brings joy and stimulus to your brain. And it will constantly like it'll do its work and things will change and so be patient and and uh and don't don't worry because things will move even when you feel like you're not moving so oh my god that is so powerful you made it honestly like wow that's that's such an inspiring story like you got yourself out of the gutter you improved your life like you changed you're now songwriter and artist you know you're like published which by the way please tell us where people can listen to you sure you can literally find me anywhere that you listen to music so like youtube all the streaming services my website which is ashleyzara.com and you can find me on all social media i try to make sure that i'm like accessible everywhere so twitter instagram facebook Um, in everyone's faces yes (laughs) listen to me listen to me listen to me (laughs) yeah you cannot i mean magic is the key's repetition, right? And everything that you do, you have to like drill it in people's minds. Like, here's where you can listen, here's where you can go. Yep. There you go. You cannot escape. Can't run, you can't hide. I'm here. <laughs> I don't know if people should be afraid or happy about it. I know. That, I'm like, so. if you want me to be there, you can't run, you can't hide. If you don't want me to be there, it's you fine. still can't. Run. Yeah. Don't- <laughs> I'm like, don't worry, I won't bother you. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. Let's end this on a even more fun note. We have had an amazing chat, but now we're going to get to know your personality even more with the super fun rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Hit me. Okay. (laughs) What person, dead or alive, would you love to have dinner with if you could? Jane Austen. Oh, you're romantic. You're a literary romantic. I love her so, so much. Yeah, she's awesome. <laughs> okay. Money and COVID aside, if you could go anywhere in the world right now, where would you go? Hmm. My first thought was Iran, but I feel like that's too easy. Uh, kind of maybe like Greece or Italy, somewhere in the Mediterranean where okay. the water is warm and the like the air is as warm. <laughs> it's nice. Have you talked to my other guests? Because you're the third guest this week to say Greece. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You- I feel like there are so many beautiful countries out there. And then like there are the simple countries, vacation countries that everyone focuses on. Because like there, there are so many other places like Fiji yeah. and like the Philippines, Thailand. Oh, my God. I would love to go anywhere that anyone wants to take me. Like I'll do it. <laughs> okay. But it sounded beautiful. So funny though. Yeah, it is funny. <laughs> so funny though. I'm definitely. I'm, I'm gonna see. I'm gonna check if you guys follow each other because this is <laughs> three times this week. I'm gonna see him next week. I get another one telling That's me that funny. it's great. <laughs> okay, if you could describe yourself with one word, what would that be? Oh God, um, persistent. Okay, Maybe. I love that one. Yeah, 
Here's a fun one for you and a very good throwback. Were you more of a Backstreet Boys or an NSYNC? Backstreet Boys. No oh hesitation. <laughs> I love both, but Backstreet Boys. <laughs> Backstreet's back all right. Okay, yeah. Yes. Favorite dish. And you can't say tonic because we talked about it. <sighs> okay. Ah, June. Sounds so foreign to everybody. What is that? June. is essentially like a stew. We have a lot of different kinds of stews, and they are bomb. Khoreshte Badem June is a eggplant stew, and I'm obsessed with eggplants. I love it and everything, and so uh, yeah, I choose that one. Makes me happy. Okay. I'm going to have to look for that one next time I go to a Persian restaurant because I definitely want to try that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cozy night in or crazy night out? I think because I'm craving a crazy night out, I'll say that one because it's been a while. (laughs) But uh, I appreciate both. But I'll say crazy night out. Yeah. (laughs) I like that. I like that. If you could have one superpower, which one would it be? Invisibility. I just want to be alone. Like, leave me alone. That's completely contradicted my last answer. <laughs> but yeah, just like leave me alone. Okay. <laughs> Two moves right there. Two moves. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> last one for you. Who inspires you? I'd say myself. I inspire Aww. myself a lot. Yeah. I think I'm really surprised by the things that I've done, especially when I think that I can't do it. And then like a year later, I'm like, damn girl what <laughs> so but if if it wasn't me i'd say lights the musician so okay yeah i feel like I saying like you kind of a cop-out sounded very self-absorbed so <laughs> no come on 2021 it's the year of self-love it's the year where we all love True. each other and we're like yes. we're fucking amazing and like screw everyone else like i'm amazing you're amazing we're yes. all amazing we're gonna do great things 100 percent Oh my God. Okay. Ashley, it's been amazing talking to you. Like I have learned so much about your culture. I've learned so much about being a musician that obviously I wouldn't have gotten the chance because hello, nobody wants to hear me like sing. Like, <laughs> I guarantee you me singing in the shower. It's like the last thing. It's like what nightmares are made of. Or maybe oh not them, but like, <laughs> I will try to sing really low songs. You know, I'll try to be like Ariana Grande and be like, ah, but it doesn't sound good. <laughs> Don't worry, I sound terrible with Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande's music as well. Don't even worry about it. You're good. We try. We try. (laughs) Okay. So anyway, thank you so, so much for being here, for sharing your story and for everything. And for all of you guys listening, links are going to be in the description. So you can just pop in there and check her out. If not, I think I'm trying not to say your Instagram incorrectly. So it's at Ashley Zara, right? Uh, It's at Ash Zara. Okay, cool. Yeah. So at Ash Sarah. And if you want to go and talk to me, send me a message, be a guest or whatever it is. Also go on Instagram at pretty sure podcast. Thanks again, Ashley. And how do you say, okay. T- t- teach me how to say goodbye in Persian. Oh, we would say, hafiz. but you can, kind of like, you can make it a little shorter by saying. Hafiz. Okay. Excuse me if I butcher this. If you're Persian and you're listening to this, <laughs> you did great. That was awesome. Okay. That was really good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And peace out, everybody. I'll speak to you next week. Okay.